0: Merry met, virtual traveller. Hello and welcome to Stories from Law, a monthly podcast that explores folklore and the stories it inspires. My name is Dawn Nelson and I am an author and professional storyteller. This month, patrons chose the theme of Pirates of the High Teas. And so for this episode, we are taking a voyage across the whale road with the many rogue privateers and pirates who have made it into the legends and mythology of our time, with, of course, a sprinkling of tea scones and jam. As is often the case, there are some dark folkloric characters explored in this podcast, and so, as always, I would recommend that you should listen through first before listening with younger members of your household. In this episode, I will explore the roots of piracy, the tea clippers of the 1800s, and some famous pirates such as Black Bart and Captain Henry Morgan. The story from law for this episode is Cruel Coppinger. Most people are familiar with pirates, their cruel punishments, uncompromising rule and murderous intentions. So it's really no surprise that the punishment for piracy, if you were caught of course, was death. If that was the case then, why did so many choose this way of life? Other than the promise of untold riches of course. Piracy often occurred on a what I like to call a need-to-pirate basis. This occurred during peacetime as privateers or mercenaries who had once been employed to fight in wars found themselves suddenly out of work and the government no longer wishing to associate with them as they found themselves on the wrong side of the law. As a result of privateering in the 1500s many Spanish ships were plundered for gold quite legally, not according to the Spanish though of course, and there was a fine line between piracy and privateering. When England was at war with Spain it was fine to steal the gold. When they weren't it was not but it certainly didn't matter to the spanish privateer or pirate both were taking their gold and certainly it could be argued that privateering was simply a government sanctioned and indeed funded form of piracy so now we've got the murky issue of privateering cleared up what were other prerequisites to pirating well many sailors joined pirate ships in the hope of a more democratic way of life escaping the abuse of tyrannical captains who paid them very little Often as a pirate, you could vote on the way ships were run. Reputation was earned through respect and gold was received as your reward. Trade routes were, of course, the favoured hangout of pirates and the most famous pirates were often found in the Caribbean. But straits and narrow channels of water around the world were popular and therefore treacherous to traders, as this was where the ships could be easily cornered and boarded. One Scottish pirate... Sir Andrew Barton employed the tactic of hanging out in the channel. He would pull up alongside a ship and then drop large heavy lengths of wood onto the ship they wished to attack. This was very successful. That was until Henry VIII decided to put a stop to it and Barton was eventually halted in his tracks by an English archer. Of course when boarding these ships the pirates didn't always know what was on them and they weren't always after gold. They were basically interested in any valuable commodity. Which brings us to tea. In the late 1800s, the Cutty Sark was the proverbial flagship of the tea industry. Built by Willis and Sons shipbuilders in Scotland, she was fast and efficient. And over her lifetime, she made eight trips from London to China to collect tea. And all of these trips were successful. The Cutty Sark is particularly famous for being mentioned in the Robert Burns poem Tam And it's thought to make reference to her speed as Tam escapes the witch, who is moving very fast in this poem and is wearing a cutty sark or a short skirt. The translation of the poem is as follows. Till first one caper, then another, Tom lost his reason altogether and roars out, well done, short skirt. And in an instance, all was dark. The short skirt in the poem refers to the witch and in the actual poem he roars out "Weel done, Cutty Sark!' So there we go, a ship named after a Scottish short skirt. As far as I can see in my research, the Cutty Sark herself avoided pirates boarding her during her trips to and from China. In my research, I didn't actually find any definitive reports of tea clippers being plundered. Perhaps they were too fast However, tea was definitely a valuable commodity and the East India Company, who traded in tea as well as spice, cotton, silk, indigo, saltpeter and even opium, definitely had problems with pirates. As you can imagine, there's a lot of plunder on those ships. The National Maritime Museum has records of the East India Company ships being boarded and plundered. Sometimes the crew only narrowly escaping with their lives. Examples are the Neptune in 1704, the Queen in 1706, and the Cassandra in 1719. There are some very interesting pages from the logbooks of the East India Company, and they can be found on the National Maritime Museum's website, which I have linked to in the show notes. I may not have been able to find definitive evidence that pirates stole tea, but there are plenty of records that show that one drank it, and that pirate's name is Black Bart. Black Bart is a legendary Welsh pirate and one of the most successful pirates of his time. He was born in the village of Little Newcastle in Pembrokeshire as John Roberts. Black Bart started his pirating career on sailing ships initially and only turned to piracy when the ship he was serving on was boarded by, yes you've guessed it, pirates. The legend goes that he recognised that these pirates were speaking Welsh and so he was able to save his own life by speaking to them in Welsh. Just goes to show that learning a second language is quite useful. With the promise of adventure, a young John Bartholomew Roberts happily joined the pirate crew. Black Bart rose through the ranks of the crew quickly until only six weeks later, the captain of the ship met his fate when he was shot dead boarding a ship off the African coast. Black Bart was voted in as the new captain and so his famous reign began. Pirates under Bart's command had to be well behaved and keep good order. They were not allowed to use foul language, place bets or argue amongst themselves. Bart also expected them to follow his example of never drinking alcohol whilst at sea. Bart himself was in fact teetotal. His favourite drink was the lowly cup of char and he encouraged his crew to do the same. Among Bart's other rules were Sundays as a day of rest. No ships were attacked on this day. Bart was also fair to his crew paying for treatment for their injuries and even providing pensions for pirates who could no longer work. The one thing that Black Bart did not hold back on was fine clothes and he became known for wearing a red waistcoat and breeches. For this, the French nicknamed him Le Jolly Rouge. Of course, that means the Pretty Red. This eventually became Jolly Roger, which in turn became synonymous with the skull and crossbones flag raised by pirates as they approached their victims. So what happened to that pirate whose name struck fear into so many? Well, it was a man called Captain O'Gell that finally led to the demise of Captain Black Bart. On the 10th of February 1722, Black Bart was breakfasting on a ship named the Royal Fortune, his latest acquisition, when it was boarded by O'Gell's crew. When Bart appeared on deck to rouse his crew, he made an easy target in his bright jolly red clothes. And so it was that he was shot in the neck and died. My version of The Legend of Black Bart is this month's illuminated tale and it's available on the Rambler tier on my Patreon. If you want something a little stronger than tea, then look no further than the namesake of the famous Captain Morgan Rum. Captain Henry Morgan. He too was a Welsh pirate and one of the famous Caribbean contingent. There are differing accounts of Captain Morgan's reputation, however. The bottle of rum claims that he is a man of great charm in search of adventure, but others have described him as homicidal and psychotic. I suspect a little of both may be true. A pinch of this truth and a pinch of that truth usually maketh the story. There are also varying stories as to how Morgan became a pirate, some suggesting he was sold as a slave. Either way, by the late 1600s, Morgan became a privateer and captained his own ship in order to plunder Spanish cities. Unlike other notable pirates, much of Morgan's riches came from his successes on land rather than at sea. And in fact, he had a bit of a reputation for losing his ships. His expedition to ransack Panama was one of his most famous victories, And that was on land with nearly 2,000 men under his command and he reigned tyranny on the population there. This is where the line between piracy and privateering becomes blurred for Morgan as many felt he should be arrested for his crimes. However, the government saw him as defending Jamaica from the Spanish. There are, of course, many other famous pirates who I have not yet mentioned. Edward Teach, also known as Blackbeard, William Kidd, Anne Bonny, Calico Jack and more But to talk about them all would be a lifetime's work. And so here I have just talked about the ones that really piqued my interest. Those that bucked the trend by drinking tea or demonstrating terrible seamanship by losing ships and preferring to plunder on land. The last pirate I'd like to look at, and indeed tell you the story of, is Cruel Coppinger, a Danish pirate who was also a wrecker. And this story bridges nicely with the topic of ghost ships which I will be looking at in the second half of the show for patrons. The story of Cruel Coppinger is, as are all good stories, peppered with truth and a soup song of lore. So here is my version of the story of Cruel Coppinger. Cruel Coppinger was a pirate and a wrecker. He was famous... For several years across the West Country and he appeared at the end of the 18th century. He arrived on a ship in a hurricane and many came down to watch as the ship struggled to make the shore. Many thought it would not and in fact the ship itself didn't. Coppinger did and the first that the residents of this particular line of coast knew of it was a naked man swimming ashore, climbing up the cliff and jumping onto a local girl's horse. That girl's name was Dinah Hamlin. He climbed onto the back of that horse and rode away. Time moved on and the naked man who had climbed the cliffs and rode away with Dinah became known as David Coppinger. He courted and married Dinah. Quite right, you should think, if you're going to leap onto the back of a woman's horse completely naked, you should at least offer to marry her. Especially in that day and age, quite a scandal he caused with that. However, David Coppinger wasn't exactly a catch. No, Dinah Hamlin quickly became the wife of a pirate. The house became the place of secret meetings, which she had to service. It wasn't just pirates that gathered there, though. There were smugglers as well, and they were called there with the use of clandestine signal lights, candles in the window flickering strange morse code. Dinah had little choice in this matter, but there was a part of her that kind of enjoyed this life. This man who had climbed out of the sea and onto her horse and and changed the course of her life completely. Dinah could have anything she wanted when she went to market. She could do any deal she liked. She had the finest silks for her dresses and the finest food for her table. Dinah was never bothered by anybody because her husband was Coppinger. And everybody knew what went on in that house, but nobody was ever likely to say anything about it. Soon, Coppinger acquired a schooner. This schooner was called the Black Prince. With the use of this schooner, he became the scourge of that particular stretch of coastline. And while her husband was at sea in that schooner, well, She wasn't really responsible for what he was doing. For Coppinger was luring cutters with his own schooner onto the reefs around the coastline. He'd see a ship in trouble, see that they needed help. He'd go out with the Black Prince, indicate that he would show them how to get through the reef. As he led them towards the reef, he'd actually be corralling them onto it, wrecking the ship on the reef and frequently drowning every man on board. He'd then board the ship with his crew and take whatever treasure was left or whatever was washed up on the shore. Coppinger took a horse, fastened a lantern to its neck, and then he hobbled the horse by tying its head down to its foreleg. He would then drive the horse along the cliff with the lantern swinging, and this would look like the stern of a vessel. Yes, Coppinger was not only a pirate, not only a smuggler, but a master wrecker. Soon Coppinger's reputation got out. He was a cruel man and he did not treat his crew well. Many did not stay or met their death in uncertain circumstances. And so it was that locals were press ganged into joining Coppinger's crew If they ever dared to leave, well, they too disappeared. Finally, Coppinger's reputation reached the ears of the government. So much chaos was he causing off the coast of the West Country that a government-sanctioned army arrived to put a stop to Coppinger's ways. It is said that Coppinger got wind of the fact that the government were coming to put a stop to his ways. And so he made a deal nobody really knows who the deal was with however what happens next is quite clear it was probably something eldritch in nature for when the government appeared to take Coppinger away Coppinger was traveling back into the bay back from one of his pirating ventures as his ship entered the bay there was another one waiting for him just off the coast this ship was like nothing any of the locals had ever seen. It certainly wasn't one of Coppinger's ships. It was dark and had the appearance of, well, a grey cloud. But it was definitely the shape of a ship. As Coppinger boarded the ship, a storm whipped up, akin to the hurricane that had brought him to the west coast in the first place. The locals, all the men that had come to take Coppinger away, could not reach Coppinger where he was. All they could do was stand and watch. Watch as Coppinger boarded this ship and the ship disappeared into more clouds and perhaps the horizon, nobody was really very sure. The sight of the ship had struck terror into the locals and all that was left of Coppinger was black clouds rolling off towards the horizon. Nobody ever saw Coppinger again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Of course, there is nothing romantic about the stories of these men. They were cruel in the main, and pirating, as I say. It was illegal activity. However, their stories are inextricably linked with the folklore of the British Isles. Thank you to patrons for their continued support of my storytelling and the podcast. I will go on to explore pirating folklore in the form of Black Spots, the Kraken and Ghost Ships in the extended version, which is available on my Patreon, And the second story from Law for Patrons will be The Legend of Davy Jones. My patron is called Rewild Yourself Through Story and is focused on using story to reconnect with the land we live on and the nature within it. You can become a patron to benefit from a range of rewards, digital zines, ways to connect with nature through story, audio stories, extended versions of this podcast, and even online workshops. They are all available as rewards. There are, of course, other ways that you can support the podcast, and you can do this by sharing the podcast with your friends, leaving me a review, and all these things help these stories to travel to new audiences and find new souls to warm. If you wish to hear more stories woven with folklore and the old ways, you can find me on Instagram as dd_storyteller, storyteller, on Facebook as dd_storyteller, Storyteller, and via my Facebook group, Stories from Law. I hope to see you there, as I'd love to tell you another story. Until then, toodle